Welcome to Angry Americans. Welcome to episode 32. And happy Veterans Month. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. And if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. That, that's the sound of angry Americans. Lots of angry Americans again. Last week, it was tens of thousands of people at the World Series. And this week, it was thousands of people at a UFC fight. A freaking ultimate fighting championship fight. It's a place that, on a normal night, probably has more than its fair share of angry people. But Trump, apparently, brought out something very special in him this week. At UFC 224 in New York, at Madison Square Garden, the audience erupted into boos and some cheers when Trump came out with UFC President Dana White. He came out to back in black by ACDC. Yeah. Then he made the rounds, sat octagon side with his sons Eric and Don Trump Jr., and Republican politicians Mark Meadows of North Carolina, Peter King of New York, and Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. But the booing of Trump has now become a regular thing. So has this. That's not a Trump rally. That's a Bernie Sanders rally in Minnesota. Thousands of people chanting, lock him up. It's an echo of the lock her up chants that are a regular thing at Trump rallies, usually in reference to Hillary Clinton. But the boos and the chants directed at Trump are getting more and more regular. And they reflect kind of a tipping point in America as his approval ratings continue to crater to historic low levels. These boos are kind of like the new American political fight song. Every team has a fight song. And this one, the booing of the president, is like America's new political fight song. And it seems the Trump campaign is set on trying to get a different soundtrack, a different fight song. So this weekend, he's trying to go into more friendly territory, Alabama. Trump's going to go to the Alabama LSU football game in Tuscaloosa this weekend. It's number one Alabama clashing with number two LSU. It's the game of the year. Some calling it the game of the century. But his approval ratings nationally are at the lowest of the century. But his approval rating in these two states is at 59% and 56% respectively, which is actually high compared to the rest of the country. And LSU quarterback Joe Burrow gave his opinion on the president coming to watch the two undefeated teams square off in Tuscaloosa. He said, regardless of political views, it's pretty cool having the president at the game. It doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Having the president at the game is pretty cool. That's my Joe Burrow. I don't know if he actually sounds like that or not. Well, we'll see, Joe. And it looks like we'll have another big opportunity to see what the sound sounds like on Monday, Veterans Day, in New York. So before we get to the amazing Bob Woodruff, and as Veterans Day approaches, and the fight songs ring out all across America, there's one important issue that has me angry, has others angry, and probably should have everyone angry. Because in Trump's national tour of attempting to get cheers, it was just announced that he's coming to the Veterans Day Parade in New York. America's Parade. The single biggest Veterans Day Parade in America. First to fight for 
And this is not a good thing. Trump coming to the parade is going to politicize the New York City Veterans Day parade like it's never been politicized before. Having Trump there will turn a day that's always about unity into a controversial political spectacle. Bill White, the Veterans Day parade co-producer, apparently, said this. What he's doing now as president with regard to veterans' choice Funding our military and holding them and their families in the highest regard is truly extraordinary. He is loved by our veterans for sure. Well, that's some bullshit political spin. I'm sure he's loved by some veterans, but to say he's loved by all veterans for sure, that's just not true. Well, at least parade turnout will be high, right? Unfortunately, it'll probably be because so many people are there to protest Trump. And I expect many veterans will now boycott the parade entirely. This parade will now be a clusterfuck of historic magnitude. I'm already hearing from lots of vets who are no longer going to the parade. And even if you're a Trump supporter, you can't deny that he's incredibly divisive. And now, so is a Veterans Day parade that wouldn't have been that way otherwise. David Rosa at Task and Purpose also had an interesting and related story. He reported that EOD techs, explosive ordnance disposal techs in the Army, are stuck between plummeting recruiting levels and skyrocketing workloads because they've been forced to guard domestic VIPs without additional time for training. In particular, Trump's time at Bedminster and Mar-a-Lago are a growing drain on the Army EOD resources. So check this out. Trump's frequent stays at his luxurious properties are apparently exhausting army bomb technicians who go there to protect him. Now, imagine the additional burden of now having to clear an entire parade route in Manhattan next week. Now, I hope that somebody can get a cost estimate from the Department of Defense or the NYPD, but this is bad. This move is just like so much of the last few years. Good for Trump, bad for veterans, terrible for American unity. Happy Veterans Month, everybody. It's good reason this week to be angry. And there's plenty of other news that you should track on. Well, bad news travels like wildfire. Good news travels slow. There was a joint statement from the Department of Justice, Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security, the National Intelligence Agency, the FBI, the NSA, on the 2020 election security. And here's what they said. A joint statement. Russia, China, Iran, and other foreign malicious actors will all seek to interfere in the voting process or influence voter perceptions. It's unprecedented. I've never seen a statement with all of those agencies combined to warn us about the threats to our elections. Also, violence is continuing in Iraq. Iraqi security forces killed multiple people when they opened fire on protesters in Baghdad, and thousands took part in another wave of anti-government protest. And Democratic contender Elizabeth Warren vowed to half veteran suicide in four years, which is admirable, but absolutely unrealistic. Maybe the single best example yet of the best and worst of Warren, all in one headline-grabbing proposal. And related, there's some important 2020 news. 
Don Blankenship, the ex-Cole CEO who lost the Republican nomination for Senate in West Virginia last year, has now filed paperwork to run for president. For all of us independents out there, I don't know why we can't get any better than this guy. But Blankenship actually served one year in prison after a 2010 explosion at his company's mine killed 29 people. On Monday, a magistrate judge recommended his conviction be thrown out. And so he's running for president under the Constitution Party. And there's a new name, Don Blankenship. But it's not a name that's ranking on the new polls out of Iowa. I've been telling you, don't look at the national polls. Look at the state polls, especially in the places there are primaries and caucuses. And in Iowa, there are new numbers. And Warren's out in front with 20%. Buttigieg with 19%. Sanders at 17%. Biden down at number four with 15%. Then Klobuchar at five and Kamala Harris at four. And as Veterans Day approaches, it's consistent. One veteran is standing out. It's the veteran from South Bend, the home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Pete Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg, who served in Afghanistan, is on the rise. His attack on Elizabeth Warren at the last debate has clearly paid off. Since then, the average of Iowa polls shows Buttigieg gaining about six points. Biden losing six points and Warren holding flat. But no matter which candidate you're pulling for, there's reason to be excited. Oh, sorry. Am I mic'd up? Hey, am I mic'd up? Someone nod at me. You guys hear me? Hey, am I too close? How close can I get? Hey, it's National Tight End Day, so I thought I'd say a few words, boys. Let's go. That's San Francisco 49ers star tight end George Kittle. And he's a guy that's pretty excited on a regular basis. He's about to be America's favorite tight end, not named Gronk. But he was excited last week, especially because it was National Tight Ends Day, which on some level, as a former tight end myself, excited me. But there's actually more reason to be excited. Not quite as excited as George Kittle, but excited. There is a new debate coming soon, and that's reason to be excited. I'm so excited, and I just can't hide And there's some news about the debate itself. Candidates are getting ready for this fifth presidential debate in Georgia, and apparently they're going to be asked a balanced number of questions. The event is going to be hosted by MSNBC and The Washington Post, and NBC reported this week, on their own debate, that the two-hour debate will be held at the Tyler Perry Studios in Atlanta on November 20th. And 10 candidates have qualified for the event so far. 10. More on that in a second. But the hosts announced the format. It's going to be broken up into four segments. That's going to include three commercial breaks. No opening statements. The candidates are going to have 75 seconds to answer questions posed to them and 45 seconds for follow-ups at the moderator's discretion. Candidates should be able to respond if they're referred to by name by another candidate, but that's at the moderator's discretion again. One of those moderators, Rachel Maddow, was our guest a couple months ago. Go back and check that episode out if you haven't heard it. But the candidates are going to have one minute and 15 seconds for closing arguments. And the announcement about balanced speaking time comes after there was a huge difference in the amount of time the candidates had to talk in the previous four debates. In the October debate, Elizabeth Warren got the most speaking time with just under 23 minutes, while billionaire activist and guy who shouldn't be on stage, Tom Steyer, got the least at just over seven minutes. That's according to the New York Times. The participating candidates in the podium lineup are going to be finalized at a later date. 
There's more 2020 news involving one of our recent guests, the one from Hawaii. Hawaii Representative Tulsi Gabbard, our guest in episode 30 a couple weeks back. Check that out if you haven't seen it. Tulsi Gabbard has now qualified for the November Democratic presidential debate. I'm not going to say it's the angry American's bump, but she moved up in the poll. And it was probably in large part thanks to the attacks from Hillary Clinton. So Hillary Clinton gets an assist on this one. There's also news that Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar made the December debate after the release of a new Iowa poll. So Gabbard's going to join nine other candidates on the stage later this month. It's Gabbard, Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Bernie Sanders, Tom Steyer, Elizabeth Warren, and Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang's still around. But so far, six candidates have qualified for the December debate. That's in December, which is going to be co-hosted by Politico and PBS. And the six that have qualified so far for that one, Biden, Buttigieg, Harris, Klobuchar, Sanders, and Warren. But it's going to change. But that sixth debate will be held December 19th in Los Angeles, California, just in time for Christmas. After that, the first big caucus, Iowa, is only two months out. It's going to be on Monday, February 3rd, the day after the Super Bowl. And if Trump attends the Super Bowl, who knows what the boos are going to sound like there. So get your popcorn ready. And hopefully in the coming week especially, and this month, you'll hear from all those candidates on the issues you care about. And hopefully, since it's Veterans Month, you'll hear from them about veterans issues. But if you don't, you'll get it here. Definitely in this episode with our incredible guest, a man who is a real hero. In this interview, we're going to talk about Veterans Day and what it really means in an amazing interview with now legendary reporter, veterans advocate, and all-around awesome human, Bob Woodruff. If you don't know the story, in 2006 in Iraq, Bob was reporting from the front lines with American troops from the 4th Infantry Division when the vehicle he was riding in was hit by an IED, an improvised explosive device. It was near Taji, Iraq, about 12 miles north of Baghdad. At the time of the attack, Bob and Doug were embedded with the 4th ID, traveling in an Iraqi-made vehicle. Bob and Doug were standing with their heads just above a hatch, apparently filming a stand-up. Both guys had body armor and protective helmets on at the time. And the blast happened. Woodruff got massive shrapnel wounds. Doug Vogt was struck by shrapnel in the head and suffered a broken shoulder. Both guys had surgery for head injuries and a joint Army and Air Force neurosurgical team at an Air Force hospital south of Balad, located in Camp Anaconda, reported they were in stable condition. It instantly became national news, and Bob had to go through surgery with a portion of his skull being removed to reduce the damage from brain swelling. Bob and Doug were both evacuated to Army's Landstuhl Regional Medical Center in Germany, and Bob was kept in a medically induced coma for 36 days. But Bob fought through it. He recovered, and with the support of his amazing family, and especially his wife, Lee, he went on to turn this tragedy into a triumph that continues to help others. He started the Bob Woodruff Foundation, a nonprofit that helps post-9-11 injured service members, veterans, and their families after they come home. The Bob Woodruff Foundation is a true leader in our community and in our country. And Bob's been honored across the board. Bob was honored by the Army, 
He was honored by the Radio and Television Association with the David Bloom Award for Excellence in Enterprise. He got a Peabody for reporting on the wounds of war in 2007. The organization that I ran, Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, gave him the Civilian Service Award for his dedication to our veterans back in 2007. The LA Press Club gave Bob the Daniel Pearl Award for courage and integrity in journalism. And the American Legion gave him the National Commander Public Relations Award in 2013. Bob's got an incredible partner and his wife, Lee, and they have four kids. I often tell you to look for the helpers. And as Veterans Day approaches, and during Veterans Month, there are few greater helpers than Bob Woodruff. Last episode with James Laporta, we dug into the massive and patriotic importance of journalists in America. And I shared the line with you, a trustworthy press is the immune system of democracy. Well, that's true of Bob, too. He's a member of the media. He's not an enemy of the people. He's a guardian of the people, and especially a fighter for our fighters, a warrior for our warriors, a helper for our helpers. And he's tenacious, kind of like a Wolverine, like a Michigan Wolverine. This Veterans Month in America, despite what's going on in our politics, we can still be united. We can still come together. No matter what the president does, no matter what the Democrats do, we can hold the line and stick together. We can all be on the same team. We can all sing the same fight song. And we can take care of each other, just like Bob Woodruff does every single day. Veterans Day is often about parades and about marching. And Bob Woodruff is a guy that marches forward, no matter what happens, no matter how tough it gets. And in that, he embodies all that's great about this country. And of course, he embodies the four eyes of this show. It's a forward march of integrity. Forward! Hatch! It's a strong and tight column of information. Forward! Who told you to move? It's thousands of pounding feet of impact. Left, right, left, right, left, forward, hatch, right. And it's a strong, howling cadence of inspiration. So change your socks, tighten up your boots, and get your mind right. It's time to step off. Welcome to the Veterans Day episode. Welcome to Angry Americans, episode 32. Forward March! Angry Americans around the world and worldwide, welcome. We have a very special and inspiring and iconic guest, and we are at a new location. We are not at the Classic Car Club New York. We are deep in the epicenter of news and investigative reporting and, I would argue, thought leadership at ABC headquarters in New York with the great and powerful Bob Woodruff. Well, that's about the best introduction I think I've ever gotten. Thank you for that. You're welcome. How are you, man? <laughs> I'm good, man. It's always good to see you. You, you know, too. I think we've, what we've known each other, I think, for about 
12, 12 years since we did that documentary and you came out with a great spokesperson for basically what's happening to the veterans when they come, uh, you know, come, come home wounded. And you were, uh, you were the great voice, man. I don't know about that, man. I, I learned a lot from you. As I make this transition from advocacy into media, I really consider you a true role model. But before we get into all that, you're having a pretty big week, man. Not everybody comes to talk to me after being on stage uh, you know, a night or two before with Bruce Springsteen, Sheryl Crow, and maybe the most talented person of all, Lee Woodruff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time someone comes up to see me, the first thing I ask is, where's Lee? Where's your wife? Lee, she's the greatest. Where is she? And, you know, there you are. You, you did it already. I think I, what I get about a minute and a half in before uh, you had to ask about her. She's awesome, man. You yeah, guys do this like greatest. George and Gracie thing on stage every year at Stand Up For Heroes and everywhere you are. That's that's really, really awesome. Yeah, she's she's unbelievable. She's been there from the... You, now you see why I married her. She also made four babies for me. So <laughs> she's uh, she's a master of everything. I want You've also been a great role model for me in terms of parenthood. It's one of the things I'm, I'm dying to ask you about. But just to, to, to fill people in, you and I did first meet 2007. You got blown up in 2006. And you've told that story a million times, but maybe for folks who, who, uh, who haven't heard it or whatever you want to talk about now with all this perspective. But I met you in 2007. I think I was the first, one of the first people you interviewed for your comeback documentary in 2007. Right. Yeah, we wanted. We did it. We did an hour on ABC uh, called to, "To Rock and Back," and we we're trying to find somebody who could tell us what's happening to the veterans when they come back from those war zones, uh, wounded. And you know, we did a story, uh, an hour. Then I think some wanted to do the story about what happened to me because it was a very well-known story. But, uh, but we really, really wanted to make the bulk of the story about what's happening to the other veterans. And so we went to go find someone who could tell us that information. It was you. You were deep in that in that mission to try to make sure that the people in this country knew what's happening. You know, these wars are so so different than previous wars. You know, because these are so many, you know, injuries from blasts. You know that you you survived, but the medical care was so amazing out there in the in the sands that people lived when they would not have that they would have died in previous wars and some they have these kind of invisible wounds inside their brain that there's no physical evidence of it from the outside because they just shake the brain around so there's so many wounds that we wanted to make sure that the world knew that the country knew that not enough is being done and there's nobody better to tell that story than you i appreciate you saying that man but what what i think that that day and that time kind of set you up on this new path. And when you got wounded, 2006, you get blown up by an IED, you and Doug, right? At the same time. And yeah, Doug, Doug Vogt, my cameraman. He's right. an amazing guy. And you would have died in, you know, in any year probably prior, if not for the emergency medical care you got, right? But from that moment forward, you did what you just did in this interview. You didn't make it about you. You made it about us. And, and you, were, you were, I think, maybe the most public wounded person in America. Like people could relate to you in a way they couldn't relate to me or they couldn't relate to other veterans because they knew you from their living rooms, you know, and that was really powerful, man. And ever since then, you and Lee and your whole family have been telling our stories through your own, right? Well, it, it was a strange moment to be in where I was being interviewed. <laughs> I guess like I'm doing right now, right? Yeah. As opposed to all those years of 
interviewing the other people. We got I always got the chance to be the obnoxious one asking a million questions, which my wife says I always ask too many of. Um, but back then, yeah, it was this one that we we realized that something could be said. You know, my my family was so emotional what was happening when they came to Bethesda Naval Hospital where I had been unconscious for 36 days. My wife had gone on that 35th day to go look at nursing homes to see, you know, people, when I was hit, the medics out there in the field thought that I was about to die. And, you know, so it's, it's pretty lucky that I was. But what we did see too was on that third floor of Bethesda Naval was there were all these other wounded veterans, you know, largely the bulk of them were Marines uh, who had been hit. Some of them seemed to be even worse than I was and all of them unconscious or recovering. And my family looked at them and said, you know, uh, let's, let's make sure that everybody in this country can do their best to make sure they got the best care, attention and love that, that I was getting in that, in that hotel, that in that, in that hot hotel, we we're all, I mean, that hospital, we we're getting exactly the same treatment, whether it's me or them, but we're more concerned about what happens when they leave that hospital and they go back to their, their neighborhood to their town and they don't have really anything laid out yet about what they're going to do. They could have conditions that were so much worse that they wouldn't. So my family was so emotional about it. And when I did wake up, they really made this decision with me that we really want to do something. And so we started this small foundation. We never would have thought it would grow to the point where it is now. And it's been a family effort. Your brother is involved, right? The whole family got involved. I mean, you got ABC involved, all these people that were in your extended family, hundreds of millions of dollars raised now, right? And and the other night, I think you raised $5.7 million in this amazing annual concert at Madison Square Garden. You guys have brilliantly put together uh, the, the comedy festival that's happening in New York every year and veterans and artists, and you get Springsteen. I mean, Springsteen's like you yeah, know, the cherry on top of this amazing event you guys put on every year. But it's all about the vets, and you raised five, almost six million dollars, right? Yeah, we've raised a. We've actually now spent about seventy million dollars on organizations, operations that are happening out there in the world. More than four hundred of those grantees that we've you know had found money for. Yes, and Springsteen, he's been a uh, he's a big backer from the very beginning. And when we started this foundation, uh, we had to figure out a way to raise money. And we got the, the ones that, write, that run uh, New York Comedy Festival saw this hour that we did with you in it, yeah. Paul, and said that was so outrageous to them that something had to be done. And they knew we had this foundation. They said, listen, we can get all of these amazing comedians in the world to come and perform for free during New York Comedy Festival, and you guys can raise some money. We said, okay, that'd be, that'd be great. And then we had another connection with somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and uh, Bruce Springsteen came forward, and he said, I absolutely want to participate in this as well. So it's been the same. This We just had our 13th. So we've been able to raise money, and, and even more than that, you know, we get a chance out there on that stage to attract people that would normally not have much, you know, contacts with the military and, and certainly not the the world of the wounded. And so this is their chance to sit right next to them in this thing and, and watch comedy and, and listen to these, you know, military, these service members right there that need some help. And that's when they start, you know, 
throwing out the check, yeah. I have to say. And it was amazing. We just in the auction alone, we raised more than a million dollars. Wow. Did Springsteen this year did wouldn't he didn't he offer to cook people dinner one time? You know, he's done that so many times, you know, he's given <laughs> so much time into it. And you gotta sometime take at least one year off from that. But uh, we were not really trying to get any gifts and or you know, sell any items up there or have his guitar or something. We were just gonna concentrate on the auction, sell the tickets and just make sure people knew you know that it's still happening and bruce always tells jokes too you know he goes yeah. out there and tells jokes you know i just can't remember all of them but he's got some good ones yeah. <laughs> you you're, you always have a great sense of humor and you've been through so much when we did those first interviews we we actually reshot them again because you were healing during that process oh yeah i couldn't come you up were, with the words you yeah. were getting but you bob you were getting better by the month Right, and over the course of that documentary, I think a couple months, and we'd come back and shoot some stuff, and it would it would unfold. But I could see you getting better before my eyes, and to see you now on a stage at Madison Square Garden, traveling the world, going to China, doing all the great work you're doing. Did you did you think you could get this well? No. Well, I mean, for me, I didn't really I didn't really understand exactly how bad it was when I woke up. I was I just remember feel. I felt so blessed that I was even awake and I knew that I was surrounded by my family, my friends. I felt, well, this is, this is, I kind of like this a little bit, right? I get all these people just give me hugs all the time, my family. And then I start to realize that, oh my God, I can't remember these words. And I didn't even know, you know, how much I would ultimately remember or forget. I didn't know anything about the recovery, but over time, and I tell this about almost everybody that's hit the same way that I was is people wake up, they feel there's a miracle that they're even alive. And then over time, you start to realize you're not the same person that you were before, you know, and that's when the depression kicks in. And so without exception, everybody is that has this kind of change in your life. And it takes a long time for people that are wounded like this to to really kind of give in and accept the reality that you're not going to be exactly the same you were. So if you if you can find some way to find a different path, then I think that's the really the true way to recover um, in terms of the the mental impact of both the wounds and the and the invisible wounds that you might have. That's the one. It took me a long time to finally give rid of this idea that I can just return and be the the anchor of world news tonight, you know, be the Peter Jennings again. I had to finally realize that, you know what? What I'm going to concentrate on is telling the stories without having required to have live memorized words because I knew that was my weakness. I had aphasia. It was the hit to the left part of the brain. And that's a loss of words. So I lost languages. I lost my vocabulary. I couldn't even remember the name of two of my four kids when I woke up. Not I couldn't remember the name of a single country in the world. All of this was completely lost. And if you, you look back the video back then, it's just almost... I would say embarrassed, but it was just shocking that how little that I could speak. And when I met you, that was only about 13 months. No, probably about six, seven months after I woke yeah. up. So I, I, I would like to go back and dig up the old, you know, raw video from that and see how bad it was. But you spoke perfectly. I remember uh, that. Part. I don't know about that. I mean, but you, but you, dude, you, you, there's the old Hemingway line, stronger at the broken places. And I don't know if anybody embodies that more than you. Like the world is better off 
the veterans community is infinitely better off because you're on this new path because you, your life got shot into a totally different direction. And now, you know, you are in many ways like a Bob Hope of our generation. <laughs> and no, you really have been. But you, not John nearly Stewart, there are a couple guys and gals that have really galvanized the public behind us in a way that we never could have. Right. No veteran could have done it. It had to be someone from, you know, from the civilian world. And you became like a translator. I know you used to, I don't know if you, do you still speak Chinese? Did you, you lose know, that? I, 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 first of all, it was, I lived there 30 years ago yeah. and I'd lost uh, a lot of it because I didn't, I didn't think I was going to return to China in 1989 after witnessing the Tiananmen Square massacre. And then I came back about 11 years later. I started to learn a little bit more again. And then I lost more of it. I just, I've started having babies and just doing, pursuing this, this other career in journalism. So I didn't really go back and I kind of thought I'd give up on China. So I lost a lot of it that way. And then when I was hit in the left part of my head, I lost so much of the vocabulary of China. So I can understand a lot when I go there and I can make my points and get around town, but it's certainly not as good as it used to be. And now you have the vocabulary of the military, which is much weirder and tough to understand <laughs> than probably Chinese with all the acronyms yeah. and the sayings and everything all else. All the words are just three letters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But everybody we interview is an iconic, important, inspiring American that shaped what America was what it is and what it will be. And I think you really fit into that category, especially because your story of overcoming adversity is going to be one that so many people can relate to and will be motivated by, especially around Veterans Day. I wanted to talk to someone who could help us understand all the different pieces of Veterans Day. And I think you're the perfect person to do that. But the show is also, you know, for a lot of people who are independent, who don't have a political home, who are maybe frustrated with the atmosphere in this country, maybe the politics of this country. And so the question I ask everybody, we don't have to talk about politics specifically, but is there something that makes you angry? Bob Woodruff, what makes you angry? Well, I mean, I, I think I, I have anger about the fact that I did not duck when that when the IED exploded. I'm pretty furious about that. I feel, I feel, and, and that it kind of gets back to that more seriously is that uh, I, I, I have anger at myself for making some of the decisions that I did in life, and, you know, and one of the big ones on that was to go into dangerous places. And take those kind of risks when I had four little kids at home. Uh, and that makes my anger at myself. I think you're probably asking me what's my anger about others or no, angers no. about I other take things you wherever, this is happening in the world. Yeah. Um, so there's always disapp disappointment and there's frustration and then there's anger. And I'm not really a, I don't really don't get angry about many things. I really don't. I get frustration and I've got certain you know, crit criticism to make about some things. But, you know, I think in terms of anger, I still, it eats away at me uh, about some of the decisions I made and that, that had some kind of impact on my kids. The only thing that saved that is that the only thing that makes, does not make me quite as angry is one, I'm still able to be a pretty decent father. And I think, and I've told this story before, is that one of my kids who's got deafness and and she came up to Lee and my wife and told her when I still had rocks in my head and I had shattered scapula on my back. And she came up and says, you know, dad looks like he's not really recovering. And, and Lee said, no, 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 he's recovering. Don't worry about it. She says, uh, you know, his, his, he's got all these rocks in him still. She goes, no, those are going to come out. And, and he said, you know, but I have to tell you, mom, that I think, I think dad loves me more now than he did before. 
So when you get moments like that, the anger dissolves a little bit. And then you realize that maybe there is another path you can be on. And maybe there are some good things about it. Sometimes I do say the only good thing that that happened by getting blown up was having to, I guess, give my kids a different perspective in life. And also to have a mission like the one we've got to, to, to make sure that, that we are so uh, not favored, but we're so lucky in the sense that we have so much around us to help us in the, in the uh, recovery that the others will get the same. That's, that's the goal. So thank you for sharing that, man. That, that was really, really powerful. And when you, when you say you had rocks in your head, you literally mean pieces of rocks were yeah, in your head from the blast. Yeah, yeah. Shrapnel was in your body and continued to work itself out of your body, right? right. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 what I was told. And you can look at it in the x-rays. You know, there is there is that. You know, I had great doctors that you know, they removed the skull when I was in Balad still. And um, so the brain could breathe. And then they put it back on four months later. And, uh, and my headaches went away when they put the skull back on. And wow. it kind of looked a lot better than having a part of your skull missing. So yeah, it's there. There were rocks in there, and and there's still little things. There's apparently one little rock that's still you know buried in there in my neck someplace, but um, I I don't really care anymore. And it, it, uh, it, it's all adding to the complexity and bionic man that is Bob Woodruff now, right? The, the stronger, powerful, more resilient than ever before. But you 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 talked. I got to ask you because so many folks are listening are thinking about raising kids in these times. You've been all around the world. You're traveling all around the world doing projects. Um, any insights as a parent? You know, you've been a great, you and Lee, but just by your example, have been a great role model for me and for my wife. And we love you dearly because of the way you parent by example and meeting your kids. They're so impressive. But any, any advice for, for parents or just people who are around young people in a, in a very difficult time in America? Yeah, I don't need, listen, I hate to give advice to anybody about parenting. I mean, I feel like we're pretty blessed that the, the, the kids have been uh, fairly good. One is I, uh, there's always this mixture between discipline and freedom for the kids so they can make all these mistakes now while you're still around to ultimately fix it because someday they won't be around you to fix it. So it's good to get them out of their system. So give them the chance to take some, do make some mistakes and all that. And the other hand, get some really good rules that they have to follow, you know, on the extreme ends of it. I think there's one thing that I do tell parents are that, you know, I think people always have this worry that they don't have a, you know, former dinner every night and you're home every day and you're always by their side. Don't travel because you got to raise your kids and all this guilt then comes in. I think, you know, there's been studies that shown is the, the health of your kids is not based on you physically being there. It's really ultimately what you do when you are next to them. So you get on the road as long as the kids, A, have good quality time with you, it doesn't have to be number of hours. It really, the amount of, of skills they learn out of it and this, the excitement they get out of it, the happiness they get out of it. They would, they would like to have a parent that's more, has better stories to tell. But the number one thing, if they have a parent who's happy, for the right reason that they love what they're doing, then I think the kids are happy. And I don't think they have long-term problems if they have a parent that's like that. So don't feel about traveling. 
Now, this might be because I tell myself this because I travel all the time, but I like that study, you know, but that's, no, that's why I think, I, I think we've experienced pretty well because I've got a wife that travels a lot too. So it's been pretty good. So it takes me to the next core question that I ask of every guest, Bob Woodruff, what makes you happy? Kids, my kids. I've told them many times though, if you really want to make me happy, have some babies yourselves. I want to be a grandparent, you know, that'd be good. You know, I'm almost 58 years old now, and I'd, I'd love to have uh, grandkids someday. You're and 58? I'm 58? I'm 58. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm older than you, man. You look pretty good for I just 58. have more look, hair. That's yeah, all. You look pretty good for a guy who's 58 and got blown up, <laughs> right? I mean, you were handsome to start with, but you look pretty good for 58 years old, yeah, man. Everyone, everyone thought this, too. I know uh, I know this is your um, podcast, but you, you don't have any hair on your head, you know? No, That's, I don't. Yeah, so I just want to make sure people ever knew that. But I, I also don't. know that when I was hit in the head, they peeled all my skin my skin off the top of my skull <laughs> took the skull off put you know taped the skin back on while there's the part that's missing then they came back peeled the skin down again and put the the new skull on and then they put the hair the skin on that and my hair grew back on that and everyone's like why is that why can you take your skin off your head and there's still hair when it comes back but I mean, that's not fair uh, it's so, not fair Bob yeah. but but you know what I think it is fair if you go through that shit and you can still you know you deserve to have a good head of hair man Anderson Cooper's got nothing on you or whoever else the standard is right I uh, know no, you're, it's, um, it's, since we're coming up on on Veterans Day, and I want to be mindful of your time, you got a lot of big projects going on. What's what's your message or reflection on Veterans Day? People listen all over the country, all over the world. Um, you know, the parade is going to happen in New York. There's now going to be a lot of controversy around it because Trump is coming. But you know, you've you've been pulled into this world and welcomed into this world, and now you're. I, I brought up the the issue earlier about you know, speaking Chinese because you've become a translator for us in many ways. Hardly. You really have. <laughs> so, so what do you think people should know about or think about when they think about Veterans Day coming up? Yeah, I, I think people, and I've said this before, is that I think sometimes think when you see the parade and the veterans marching down the street that, oh, those are from those old previous wars. You know, those are the ones uh, that have fought in the wars that are now over. You know, you know more than anybody else that these wars are still happening and there could be bigger ones that are yet to come. And it's going to be, once again, the veterans who, the, those are service members are going to go out and, and protect ourselves. You know, this is the world that are, there are no drafts. So I think in some ways that's always a great thing, but it's also separated the civilian world away from the military. So it's great to look at them walking down the streets, but remember they are still serving and there are many more others to go, to come. You know, it's amazing, you know, 9-11, we remember that so well, but now there's those who have joined the military that were born after that day on 9-11, 1988. I mean, 19, no, 2001. Yeah. By the way, 9-11, 1988 is when I married my wife. So is it really? Yeah, that was 1988. Wow. Yeah, so we wow. celebrated. So when the ideas come together in your head, it, it comes yeah. from somewhere. Yeah, we right? celebrated for 12 years wow. and we stopped after that. So what but, is that like now? I mean, how, how do you, I mean, because my, my, my niece was born on 9, 10, 11. She was born the day before and I was kind of, you know, thinking about it as we, the day was coming. We're saying, boy, if she's born on that day, what's it going to be like? And for us, it's been wonderful. Because it gives us, you know, real reflection and happiness and an understanding of how, what life is all about, right? And so we do a celebration of life dinner on 9-11 and we celebrate my niece. But what, what is that like now for you guys to have that as your, as your anniversary? Well, we, I know we, we celebrate it. And it's, come, it's come back now. Although I have to tell the honest truth, Paul. Yeah. yeah. A couple of times we forgot <laughs> that that day was our 
you know, our anniversary. So, you know, I think sometimes you're so busy and it's been, after, listen, it's been 31 years now. We just had our 31st, wow. 31st um, this year. So it's been a long time. Sometimes you forget those anniversaries. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but the good news is my wife forgot a couple of times too. So it's, it's not just me that's done that. But yeah, no, it feels it feels special. And, and the fact that it is 9-11, that it's a, uh, in some ways it's a, it's, 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 it's really giving honor to those who have served, but more especially those who were lost on that day. Yeah. You know, I think we got so many friends. The fact that we live in New York, we have friends who have friends that were lost. I, I didn't lose a close friend of mine that day. I just remember what happened that day. I know exactly that moment when it happened, and I know exactly what we did after that. We were, I was reporting, I was living in London with ABC back then. And on that day, we we're actually in the office and somebody from the rim called me, says, you see that plane just hit that building and that plane just hit that in, in New York. I said, really? So it came out and looked at it. We thought it was a Cessna or something. Yeah. And then the other one right there on TV hit the other one. And we all looked at each other and we said, oh my God, this is Osama bin Laden. We've been covering him for a couple of years. So literally less than five hours later, I was on the last remaining BA flight from London to Islamabad in Pakistan that's where we went. And for the next month, we stayed there trying to get in Afghanistan to report. And finally, we were able on October 7th of, uh, of, that, of that, that month, you know, 2001, we were finally able to get in to report what's happening in Afghanistan. And then it was that, and there was Iraq. So all of this, you know, I was covering international news. I wanted to cover conflicts. And then suddenly it became our own difficult time in the history of America. And I wanted to ask you, because we were talking about it coming in, now you're doing some really cool stuff. Can you talk about what you're working on now and what you're going to be doing in, in the future here? Well, this is, actually, it's a really cool one. In fact, I just got back from about four months on the road in six different countries. We're going to do a, we're doing a series on the new Disney Plus, which is, uh, this is going to be part of the Nas National Geographic part of this, which is Disney's new Netflix, essentially. So this is all going to be streaming and it's going to be this, uh, you know, six countries where I'm bringing my 28-year-old son to show him these countries that I've reported on and some places that I've reported around, but those that are generally been these hard news stories about somewhat, you know, sad and depressing elements. And there were, there were war coverage, there were you know, you know, environmental problems, all sorts of starvation and drought and all of that. And show, you know, these countries are not f entirely disastrous. You know, these countries are unique and fascinating and the people are really very much like us. And so you need to see parts of this world that are not just that little pinch, you know, that you see on the news, you know, you got to see the whole story. And I just haven't had a chance to tell those stories because it's not new news. You know, those are ones that have been there forever. And those are the ordinary lives of people. But it's incredibly exciting stuff mm -hmm. to do. And you could do it with your son. That is do that really with my son. Cool. You know, because here's the thing. One reason, too, is my son wants to, he wants to get into production. So awesome. he's, this is his love, too. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, the the last question I want to ask you is the one I ask of all our guests. When you were growing up, did you grow up in Michigan? Is that where I did, yeah. You grew up in Michigan and and uh I hope that maybe you can coach the Wolverines. I don't know, oh, man. Hell yeah, man. They I, I went to, I went to University of Michigan. I know. They school. pulled it off and they they beat Notre Dame. 
Yeah, you I know, didn't think they were gonna man. Yeah, sometimes was... it's shocking, you know, the ones they win and the ones they lose. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you just can never really expect the results uh, you know, lately. It had a lot of bad years, you know, um, but now they're they're coming back, and I think one of these days we'll get the national championship again. I I I'd love to see it, man, and I hope that you can make it happen. But when you were growing up in Michigan, Bob Woodruff, what was your first car? I don't even think I want to tell you because it's almost embarrassing. It was a blue Pinto. That's not. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, at least tell- it, at least it was a manual shifts, right? So that makes it a little bit more machismo, right? Then, you know, listen, there is no it, it, was, answer, it was dirt bro. cheap. I had to buy it, so you know, I I, I did what I can. I mean, Do you remember I, what you paid for it? Oh God, I can't remember. And what color was it? It was blue. Blue. Yeah. But I think it was actually not, it wasn't dark blue. It was almost a little bit like the, the suit I'm wearing right now. <laughs> Very uh, nice suit. It's kind of a dark yeah, navy yeah. blue. Right, it was like navy blue and that was the car. And I think it was, uh, sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. Uh, but it was it was that was my first car, man, and it was it was awesome. It's like you know, there I was heading off to college. And I had a car to run and to to drive, because I was going all the way eight you know nine hour drive from our house in Michigan to, to get out there. But that was that was what was your car? What was your first one? My first car was an Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme, oh, nineteen eighty two. I think we actually talked about it a couple weeks ago in the episode with uh, with Samantha B. Like, didn't we have the same car? Roy's nodding his head. Yes, Samantha B and I turned out to have the same first car. Wow. And I told the whole story a couple episodes ago. I got it from a, an old guy named Irving, who was my <laughs> mother's friend's <laughs> father, who was a legendary ice skater in his time. Has anybody you've interviewed and you asked this question, they've said when they were 16-year-old, their first one was a Ferrari? Or they're all no. terrible, no. embarrassing we a, cars? We had a, uh, we had a Hummer. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, we've had some interesting answers. I think someone else had a Pinto too. I'll have to go back and look. It might have been like Ron Perlman from Sons of Anarchy. All right, it's or a man. Someone. There was a Pinto before. <laughs> so we'll check the archives. People can go back. Right. Um, but before we end, Bob, and I'm really grateful for your time, man, especially with so much going on this week. You were you you were doing interviews all day. You met with the legendary Ernie Anastas, right? Yeah, he yeah. He's great. Right? Yeah, Fox, man. He's been there. He's, he's been Channel around 5 for a long since time. I was like 16 years old. Um, but you really, you and Lee do an incredible amount of work this whole week, raising money, raising awareness, and you're still doing your day job. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's nighttime here at ABC, but we always give all of our guests, uh, a gift bag. And so I present to you the giving of the gifts. Now we have new righteous media bags and there are three elements. Wow. The first is American made, uh, by veterans, uh, angry Americans merchandise, and it's in blue and gray. Wow, yeah, look at and this. Then, oh, what's and this? Then, oh, alcohol. Yes. Love it. Some Ford Hamilton whiskey that you and Lee can whiskey. enjoy. And then here is the last question of the show. Peeps. Ah, this, is, this, is a, this is another kind of personality question. Learn a little bit more about you. We've asked every single guest since we started the uh-huh. show because we started around Easter. There are three colors of Peeps, Bob Woodruff. What color <laughs> do you prefer? Yellow, blue, or pink, and why? Is this like a, a blue state, a red state, and, no, a, and a yellow state? Is it can that what be you whatever here? you want it that to be. That you're doing here? Okay, so what am I supposed to base this on? Which, I mean, which color? Whatever. Um, well, which one do you prefer? Pink? Uh, I kind of like, yep. I don't know, I like blue. Maybe it looks, this looks a little bit like my Pinto. Um, yeah. That's the theme. We got the, the right. blue peeps, the blue shirt, the blue suit. But I you're, like yellow too, though. Hmm. You're conflicted like about this one. 
Well, see, the problem with the red one is it's actually pink. So it makes a little bit out of my own, you know, insecurity, you know, about being too feminish that I'm going to get the pink one out, right? And so now the blue and the yellow. You're organizing them on the table no, now. But like I, like right, but is this like a test? Because no, it's, it's but the here's same the question I ask of all our guests, okay, and it goes wherever you want it to go. What people can't see though is the the That's pink the and the blue one are are about half the size of the yellow one. So if I like the yellow ones, I get more. So is that this is a true? test? All right. No, so no, so the, I like the yellow one because it's got mass. The yellows are kind of like a double wide. You know, there's like side by side, two columns Correct. of peeps, and these are individual right. peeps. Right. But if you drink a lot of the, the Fort Hamilton whiskey, then maybe your choice may change. Yeah, whiskey and sugar. I don't, don't put those together usually. <laughs> and then there's a letter to me. There's a note in there for you, and maybe uh-huh. that will bring us to, to, to the end, which is I just want to thank you for being an incredible American. You are a great inspiration to more people than you ever know. I'm honored to consider you a friend and a role model. And I just love you, man. And I think you're an incredible American that represents the best of what this country is all about. And you're an inspiration for our children. Um, and you give a lot of people hope. And and you're an incredible human being. And I'm honored and thankful to know you. Well, I don't I don't think I can take that because it's coming from a man that has done way more than I have. I have to say that from the very beginning. So, I mean, this is quite a hug we're doing right now. This is, this and, is uh, an audio you know, hug we're doing. We're like, standing around a table here at ABC. Because really what we should is not say this on this. We should just call each other's wives and tell these stories to them and see how amazing we are. You know, that, that's that the way, a, that's the, the thing That would doing. be a good follow-up is if we had Lauren and, and Lee do their own podcast because they're much more charming, funny, and smart than either of us. This is true. <laughs> oh, wait, has Lee done... This with you? No, I would no. love to have Lee join us. Yeah, she's so that, the best, man. Okay. She could probably so we'll do put, that. We'll put her on it. But yeah, yeah. Bob Woodruff, you're an incredible person. Thank you for joining us on Angry Americans. I wish you a very uh, happy and productive Veterans Day, Veterans Month. And we're really excited. Folks who want to watch you on this new journey with your son are going to continue to be inspired. But thank you for joining us on the show for all you do, my friend. Thanks, Paul. You're the best, man. Thank you. told you about Oscar Mike. Veteran-owned, American-made, awesome lifestyle apparel brand. There's never been a better time to check out Oscar Mike than Veterans Month. They have awesome shirts that are patriotic, that are comfortable, that are dynamic, that are 100% made in America. Their goal is to keep injured veterans on the move in every aspect of life and inspire everyone to do the same. And they believe that by staying active and focusing on the next upcoming goal, anyone can realize their full potential. We want to keep you inspired to do just that. The gear that I hand out to every single guest, the gear that Bob Woodruff got this week, the gear that Tulsi Gabbard got, the gear that Ron Perlman got, it all came from Oscar Mike. They have awesome clothes that are affordable. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, hats, even yoga gear. They got stuff for men. They got stuff for women. They got the Boulder Hero Sports Tank. They got yoga capris. They got the George Washington tee, the original angry American George Washington with the American flag. Looks awesome. Check that out. They've got an Abraham Lincoln tee, another great angry American. It's really cool stuff for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a CrossFit junkie or a couch potato. Great for gifts and great, especially if you want to get ready for Veterans Month or get ahead of the game for Christmas. So check out OscarMike.org. That's OscarMike.org. All the gear is there. And they make every day Veterans Day. Check out Oscar Mike and do your part. Give back, get some gear, make a difference. OscarMike.org. All right, this Veterans Month, it's time especially to turn that anger, sadness, frustration, inspiration, agony into positive impact. 
It's time to be a helper. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers. You know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. That's, of course, Mr. Rogers. If you haven't heard, there's a new movie about him coming out called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It stars Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers, and it's coming in theaters this Thanksgiving. And personally, I'm pretty excited about that. Mr. Rogers, to me, was an important, iconic, and inspiring American. I wish I could have interviewed him. He received the Medal of Freedom back in 2002. But contrary to urban legend, he was not a Navy SEAL or a sniper or a Green Beret. He never served in the military. He was not a veteran. But I'm sure Mr. Rogers would have done just fine in the military. And he served in his own ways. And this Veterans Day, you can too. Every show, I offer you a way to convert your righteous, understandable anger into positive action. Positive action that shows that angry Americans can also be impactful Americans. And you've made a huge impact over the last 32 shows. I give you an action that will channel your energy, make you feel good, and do some good. And like this show, our actions are always packed with the four eyes of integrity, information, impact, and inspiration. This week, for Veterans Day, which is 11-11 on Monday, and for the entire month of November that's been officially declared Veterans Month, I've got a recommended action that's about service. You don't have to be a veteran to be a part of Veterans Day. You don't have to be a veteran to serve. But the spirit of our veterans, from the Battle of the Bulge to the destruction of al-Baghdadi a few weeks ago, our veterans can be a source of inspiration, hope, and perspective. I've said it before, if America were a religion, veterans might be our clergy. And Veterans Day is a unique time to put politics aside, normally anyway, and come together to salute, support, and most of all, understand veterans. And understanding them means connecting with them. So my homework for you this week is to be like Donald Trump. Now, not in any way except one. Go to a Veterans Day parade. There are thousands nationwide. You can find them in your local community. And military.com is a pretty good list of them if you go to military.com backslash veterans dash day. They've got all kinds of events listed. There's the biggest parade in America in New York City. It goes up Fifth Avenue from 26th Street to 46th Street. It's about a mile and a half long. And spectators are encouraged to show up there. But if you're not in New York and you want to view it online, it'll probably be broadcast live since Trump's going to be there. Or it'll be at uwvc.org. That's uwvc.org. It'll be streaming there live. And there's other Veterans Day ceremonies and parades happening around the country. The official Veterans Day national ceremony is held at Arlington National Cemetery. The ceremony there begins at 11 with a wreath laying at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And then it continues inside the Memorial Amphitheater with a parade of colors and remarks. More information for that can be found at va.gov. Then there's a lot of other stuff happening. The Women in Military Service Memorial in Washington, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, the Navy Memorial also in Washington, and stuff all across America, like the Petaluma Veterans Day Parade. The city of Petaluma in Sonoma County, California, has a Veterans Day Parade at Walnut Park starting at 1. They're going to have Huey helicopters, tanks, and all kinds of other stuff. Great chance to bring the kids out to learn or just to be together as a family. Palm Springs, California also has a Veterans Day Parade. San Diego does as well. High Point University in North Carolina is going to have a Veterans Day celebration on Friday. 
Then there's other creative stuff like the Veterans Yoga Project. This is a six annual yoga gratitude week that features hundreds of teachers all across America hosting yoga classes to thank veterans for their service. You can go to their website to find out more about that. There's a Veterans Day Parade in Austin, Texas, in Greater Dallas, and in Houston, and in San Antonio, and in Jacksonville, North Carolina, in New Jersey, in Colonial Williamsburg. These are just some, but you can go and you can be a part of them, or you can watch them online. You can also donate to some of the national veterans groups, like the Bob Woodruff Foundation. If you go to bobwoodrufffoundation.org, you can learn more about Bob's story and about the great work they do to support so many organizations including the one that I founded, IAVA. If you go to IAVA.org, you can check out not just the parades and the events, but the policy fights. Those are really important. Check out IAVA's Big Six. IAVA fights every day for veterans, and they push to make every day Veterans Day. And the Big Six policy priorities focus on suicide, VA reform, burn pits, defending the GI Bill, recognizing and improving services for women vets, and supporting veterans who want to utilize medical cannabis. There's also a really extensive policy agenda that covers issues like homelessness, employment, and supporting military families. It's really the most comprehensive blueprint in America for supporting veterans. I should know. I was one of the people who wrote it. So if you can't go to an event or you don't want to go to an event, just go out and educate yourself. It's good for you. It's good for our veterans. It's good for America. Because doing right by veterans is not just about veterans. It's about all of us. And veterans are not a charity. They're an investment and they're an inspiration. That includes many of you and many of you who support them. So if you've got a story to tell or a resource to share, find us on social media, use the hashtag AngryAmericans and let me know. Let me know what's going on in your area around Veterans Day and I'll be sure to share it. Don't just be angry, be active. A lot of people help make this show happen. It's a true team effort. So I want to thank a few folks that helped make it happen. First off, Bob Woodruff. He's an amazing American. His wife, Lee, his entire family. They are absolutely inspiring and incredible. I'm honored to know them. Go to angryamericans.us for some photos and behind the scenes footage from my interview with Bob. We'll also have some links there and keep an eye on him and this new project he's doing with his son. It's going to be incredible. Big thanks to Mighty Mercy Rich, creative Chris Rosenthal, and Rapid Roy Velchek and the whole Rockstar team at Righteous Media. They power this show and all the platforms and content around it. If you'd like to advertise on this show or at future events or future Righteous Media productions, shoot us a note at angryamericans.us and we'll be back in touch. Big thanks to Bill Schultz, our fearless leader for producing this episode and working all his audio magic. He is incredible. Also, big shout out to Rob Sarah. Our friend and frequent guest on this show, FDNY 9-11 hero, his 40th birthday was last weekend in New York, and he raised money for the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation. It was pretty amazing. Uh, Dwight Gooden from the Mets was there. It was really an incredible night. I could not make it, but I was very happy to support and to spread the word and check out Rob Sarah all the time for lots of inspiration. Uh, and also big thanks to Oscar Mike, our awesome merch partners, especially this month. They are a veteran-owned, veteran-run company. Check out all the new designs from them at angryamericans.us now. Seriously, do it. Do it. Do it. And it's also time for Thank a Listener. Every week, I thank a few of you Angry Americans for listening. And I've told you before, I'll make you famous. I'll make you famous. 
If you call 833-33-ANGRY, 833-33-ANGRY, you can leave me a voicemail, tell me what's got you angry, and maybe we'll use it in a future show. We're going to stockpile them and put them all together and share them with you because there's lots of goodness there. And more folks to thank, people who help support this show and spread the word. First off, Walter Zeldana from Tampa, Florida. Walter Zandana on Instagram. He's a husband. He's super into craft beer and bourbon, which of course I appreciate. He's a project manager, Navy vet, Boston Terrier dad. He won our guest to guest contest a few weeks ago. And he said, I love the podcast and everything it stands for, brother. We sent him a shirt and he posted a video with some really cool bourbon. So I hope you enjoy both, my friend. Thank you, Walter, for tuning in. Also next to Philonius M., from Oregon. Now, he was digging the Tulsi Gabbard interview from episode 30, which is our biggest one yet. Uh, there's a YouTube video of it as well. It's got thousands and thousands of, of downloads, more by the day, so go check that out. And he wrote and said, great interview. Hopefully you have another opportunity to interview Tulsi on your show, and you two can discuss this topic further. He was referring to a tweet I posted about new efforts by uh, Senator Joni Ernst and Senator Shelley Moore Capito to press the VA for answers uh, on how the VA is trying to prevent sexual assault cases. Really important stuff. But Felonius, want to thank you for the shout out, for checking out the interview, for all the support. Also, want to thank Sean Pelfrey. He tweets at EWCB69. Now, Sean's very slick. He didn't have a home city or state, only a grid coordinate on his Twitter bio. So I checked it. As a former infantry guy, I know how to do that. And I think it's Spokane, Washington. Looks like it's not far from the river and near Tiger Tattoo, which is pretty interesting. But Sean is a husband, a dad, soldier, advocate, and he wrote, Go Navy, Beat Army, which I don't love. But he wrote, I love the podcast. Paul Rykoff, your background offers great insight that others don't. Also love talking to you when you're covering for Chris Cuomo. Keep up the great work. And then he wrote, Go Navy, Beat Army. I'm not down with that, but I am down with the thanks. I'm down with the support. Thank you, Sean. And thanks for tuning in when I do backup host for Chris Cuomo on SiriusXM. Big shout out to Chris. Thank you for those opportunities. Probably be doing more of it in the weeks to come. But with regards to Army and Navy. So Army, Navy. Army, Navy, the football game is December 14th in Philadelphia. We just might have to go and take the show there. If not, you're going to want to watch it because Navy's looking really good. They're 5-1. and one. They're ranked number 21 in the country. And this weekend, they play number 15 Notre Dame. So watch out for an upset there. Army not doing so well. They're 3-6 and six, and home this weekend against UMass. But Fox NFL Sunday football is actually going to be there at West Point. So Terry Bradshaw, Strahan, JB, Howie, maybe Gronk, they're going to do their annual Veterans Day show from West Point. And that's pretty cool. So check it out. And this weekend is another big game. The biggest little game in America. Amherst versus Williams. That's Amherst College versus Williams College at Williams in Williamstown, Massachusetts. Now, you may not know about this, but with the exception of a few hiatuses, the series has been played annually since 1884. It makes Amherst-Williams the most played Division Three rivalry game and the fourth most played NCAA game at any level, which makes it a big little deal. Williams, unfortunately, leads the all-time series 72-56 to with five ties. The first meeting ever was in 1884, with Williams winning 15-2. to 
Interestingly, the first intercollegiate baseball game was also played between Amherst and Williams, the first ever, and that was back in 1859. In that game, which lasted nearly four hours, Amherst defeated Williams by a score of 73-32 to in baseball. So anyway, watch out for that game, and a big thank you to my former head coach, E.J. Mills, who will be leading the guys from Amherst this year again. It's his 22nd year. He's a good coach and a good man and represents what this country is all about. So big thank you to you, Coach, and all the coaches out there that are doing good and changing and often saving lives. Big thanks to all of you. And so keep the feedback coming more, 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 and use the hashtag AngryAmericans and sound off. Seriously, do it. Do it. Do it. I'm grateful to all of you. And as always, thanks to my family, my amazing wife and two boys, we got flu shots this week. And that kind of sucked, but they were brave and the flu shots are good. So go get them. Unless you're a pro measles person, then you probably don't. And I hope you stay the hell away from my kids. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to episode six. That's the one with Agent Pooh. I walk you through all of this pro measles crap. Anyway. Thanks to my family, and especially my little guys, for enduring the pain and sticking together and looking out for each other. And finally, as always, my deepest thanks to you, dear listener, for tuning in. Please continue to tell your friends to check this podcast out. If you're on an Apple device, please leave the show a quick review, and you can subscribe there and have it hot and fresh and waiting for you every Thursday morning. We try to get it up around 3.01 Eastern Time, just in time for your Thursday commute to work. If it's late, my bad. But hang in there. We'll try to do our best to get it up Thursday early. And Wednesday night, check our social media for a hint on who our next guest might be. If you can guess the guest, you win some very cool Angry American goodies. Not peeps, but maybe. And keep the feedback coming on social media. I see you, I hear you, and I'm with you. And next week, I'll be back with a fresh new show and a new guest. One that is more brave, more tough, more inspiring than maybe anyone we've ever heard from before. It's one of my favorite people in the world. If this person ran for president or any office, I'd probably quit my job and have to shut down this podcast to go work on their campaign. It's going to be a cool one. We'll be recording it the day after Veterans Day in New York and bringing it to you next Thursday. So until then, stay tuned, subscribe for free, and share, and we'll keep this movement growing week by week. And remember, it's okay to be angry and know you're not alone. We're all a little angry. That's because we're paying attention. And together, we can turn that vigilant anger into some positive impact. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thanks for listening. Stay vigilant, America. Get your flu shot. Happy Veterans Day. And go Amherst. Beat Williams.